Welcome to the Wise Roots podcast. My name is Hugo Menard, and today my guest is Ulis Carlson. Uh, she has 28 years of experience with a variety of holistic disciplines, and her expertise is in stress management, sacred sexuality, yoga philosophy, which I can't wait to get into, um, feminine and masculine energies, and inner leadership. She's gone through depression, burnout, sleeping disorders, and eventually became suicidal. Um, and she was able to work through these struggles and wrote an autobiography of her journey called 2.47am, The Journey Home to My Heart. Uh, she now primarily, primarily helps women in senior and, lead, and leading positions uh, who long for more authentic, juicy, peaceful and balanced life. So welcome, Ulis. So good to have you here. Thank you much, Hugo, for having me. Uh, I was so happy when you connected to me. I really could sense the energies behind you and your pod. So thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to our talk. Me too. So let's get uh, right in. Can you, because um, you've been through some very challenging times with uh, depression, burnout, suicidal and all of that. Um, can you talk a bit about what that experience was like for you and then what it was like working through that or what you did to um, shift those things around. Yes, thank you. Well, um, it's not a quick fix, <laughs> sorry to say. Most people wanna have, have like three tips or you know three recommendations on what to do or a quick fix, but there aren't such a thing for me uh, anyway as uh, free lunches, quick fixes. So yes, um, well, it started at a very, very, young age i mean since i was just like a very small child and i was very very sensitive and i was very intuitive and i obviously i didn't know that at the time so in, in my society as a swede i'm from sweden so here we are taught not to be too much to expression too much expressions to emotion we are not supposed to we are to, supposed to be very conform like everybody else we even have a word for it although the vikings um made a word for for around the team so it's just enough for everybody to have their share so this is in our, actually in our DNA, that we are not supposed to, you know, we're not supposed to, to be too much of anything. And I learned this at a very early age. And so I suppressed a lot of myself. I suppressed who I was. I suppressed my emotions, my thoughts, my abilities. And uh, I started to get sleeping disorder when I was around 18. So. Uh, already then I had, you know, a lot of imbalances in my energetic system, my body, mind, spirit. And so I started to have sleeping disorders and, and then eventually I got used to not falling asleep or to wake up. And, and over the years, over the decades, my sleeping disorders became so bad. So I only slept 15 minutes per night. And that's what I'm writing about, as you said, in the book, 2.47 a.m., The Journey Home to My Heart. Uh, and, you know, when you sleep this little, obviously it affects all of you. And, and it wasn't only for like one night I slept like this. It was every night. And I woke up every night in my dreams that I was being murdered, uh, slaughtered, tortured. So there was like this blood splattering 
uh, and when I wake up to 47 a.m. every morning with this horror picture still on my uh, retina, in my, in my memory. And I, these sleeping disorders, I mean, what's, what's the egg or the hen? I don't know, but uh, eventually it led me into full-blown depression and uh, all sorts of cognitive like dysfunctions and disabilities and really weird stress-related symptoms like IBS, uh, problems with my stomach, rashes, anxiety, panic attack, uh, of course, depression, and even, you know, really, really difficult sleeping disorders. So this sort of, it didn't happen over a night. So as you, as you see, it happened, you know, for a long period of time. So this made me also very, yeah, suicidal, like there was nothing more to live for. And, and I was so full of self-hatred and a lot of contempt for myself. And so I write about it very, very raw and authentic in, in my first book, The Autobiography. And, you know, I had so many pills in my bathroom cabinet just waiting. It was for sleeping disorders. It was for insomnia. It was for panic attacks. It was for depression. It was for, well, I had so many medications. So, so many were the mornings where I stood in front of the mirror and looking at myself into my eyes. And I, you know, I could feel so much suffering and so much pain and so much self-hatred while I looked at myself in the mirror. And I was standing with these pills in my hand many days you know, just thinking like, is this the day that I'm gonna just end my life? And at the time I had two really small children. One child was just, you know, maybe a couple of months and the other was two years and a couple of months. So um, I was actually literally saved by my son a couple of times when he came into the bathroom, when I was standing there with the pills in my hand and he sort of tugged my leg and he said, mom, mom mom you know really craving for my attention so he truly and unknowingly saved my life on a couple of occasions and so this takes me also into a state where i'm always sort of on a red alert i'm very sensitive for light for sounds for anything that is unexpected and you know life out there is always unexpected so I was like like this all the time and um, I remember that I was shouting a lot to my children because I needed them to be quiet and they were really I mean my baby girl she was a couple of months so oh, that was challenging and I didn't tell my husband that uh, every night at his side I was being murdered in my bed and I didn't sleep so that I didn't sleep at all and um, I just told him that I was very very tired very tired and one day I just we have this conversation and I'm saying that I really need to go away because you know, I'm so tired. I don't know what's wrong. Maybe I just need to rest and I, I'll get back. And the thing is that the less I slept, the more occupied I kept myself in, in my mind, like thinking and dwelling and thinking and analyzing, but also 
within my body. So the less I slept, the more active I was in the daytime. I had eating disorders as well. So I was at the gym, pumping, doing heavy workouts while, while I didn't sleep. And I was uh, vacuum cleaning the house like seven times a day. So it was very, <laughs> very like a maniac. And so I, I go away with my husband's permission because uh, I'm still like breastfeeding my baby. So I just go away for a couple of days to the Swedish archipelago where my parents have, have a house. And when I come there, you know, I can even hear the fridge and everything. So I shut all the electricity down because I can't even bear those sounds. And then I'm in the uh, illusion that, oh, I'm finally gonna sleep which I'm not, so I'm lying totally awake the first night. I don't even sleep for 15 minutes. Um, so I lie awake and I don't have anybody there. I feel so lonely and so separated from my family and from life and from, you know, everything. And then the morning uh, when I haven't slept anything, I feel this sort of sensation in my body that something's about to burst and this really scares the shit out of me because I have no idea what it is it's just it feels like a volcano that's about to erupt and I yeah it really terrifies me so uh, I think that okay so I'm gonna go you know quick walk in the forest to burn a lot of calories that's good because it, it usually distracts me and then when I'm walking there, I, I feel this, this pain sort of arising and I try to suppress it. I try to suppress it and I can't. And then it's like I hear sort of a snap and I have this massive pain in my heart. It's like being stabbed by a knife through my heart. And so I, you know, I bring my hands to my heart trying to ease the pain that I'm feeling and at the same time I am aware that somehow the snow is about to come up and hit me in my face while it's me actually falling down so I'm falling down into curled position like fetus position holding my heart and this pain is so intense so I really I truly believe that I'm going to die here from a heart attack and I'm going to die here in the forest all by myself you know I didn't have time to say goodbye to anybody and then it's like I hear, I, I feel this sort of eruption come closer and I, you know, I'm just lying there trying to hold myself. And then all of a sudden, it just takes over me and I can't hold it back. And I hear these really horrifying sounds, howls and, and growls. And I'm, you know, like, oh my God, you know, there's, there's a wounded animal, you know, like a wolf or something close to me. And then I realized that these sounds are from myself. I am making these sounds unconsciously, unknowingly. So I'm lying here in the snow in a fetus position, still with this massive, intense pain in my heart. And I, I lie here and I hear all these weird noises coming from, a, you know, a space deep, deep in side of me that I had never been aware of and at the same time I just feel warm tears just flowing down my cheeks so I'm, I'm crying at the same time and my body starts to move and it's like I'm you know like 
from electric shock. So I'm lying in my fetus position with my hands to my heart, shaking, screaming, howling. And uh, it, you know, I sort of lose time of time and space. So when I come back to my senses, it's pitch dark. I'm, I'm in Sweden, so it gets dark really early. But I've been in the snow for like hours with this. And all of a sudden that I just notice my tears stops to flow and my body seems to relax from these spasms or, or uh, these shaking. And the sounds eventually subsides. And so I come back to my senses and it's pitch black and I'm still lying in the fetus position in the, in the snow. And for the first time in my whole life, it is so empty in my head. And it's so still and peaceful within me. And um, it feels like I'm connected to God or source or to something so profound. So I don't even know what it is. And it's like all my senses also have been enhanced. I can see, you know, really difference in the in the in the in the pitch blackness, like different kind of black. And I could hear like snowflakes falling. So it was really, it was something that I've never experienced before. And I was, it felt also like some kind of silent peaceful expansion that's that's how i can describe it so i you know uh, i drag myself home to the cabin and it's still completely still in my head and completely still within me and i just uh, take off my damp clothes and i go sit in the shower i don't turn any lights on so i just sit there in the dark and i stay away the whole night just being in this space and knowing that i have to sort of this was my i don't know it at the time but this was such a profound sort of awakening call for me that this was about life and death and um, obviously sort of life chose me so it wasn't my time to go and from there it took me a lot of, lot of healing and soul searching and purification of body, mind and spirits. And so it took me many, many, many years, like decades to come back. Yeah, it took me like 10 years to come back from this because all my inner organs uh, were really depleted. And so I really had to build myself back into this new version of who I was. And so this whole event sort of started other events. Like uh, I, I was, um, my husband wanted to divorce me. So there was a divorce and we have had people in my family who died. So there was a lot of things that went on and that I really had to move through. So how I have moved through is, it sounds really, really, simple but it's not always so easy so what i've done is that i've turned inwards and i've faced every fear every guilt every 
shame that I've felt, every emotions that I've suppressed, I've been through all the traumas, felt it, witnessed it, embraced it, and transformed it. So, uh, yeah, and here I am. And when you were looking inwards and witnessing that and transforming that, was that an act of presence in terms of the transformation? Did that happen naturally? Or was there a, an, another layer or element to that? Both. So it was, I mean, it was a conscious choice because it felt like, and the thing is, here's the thing also, because I was away that night that I just described, but the second night I was, when I was up in the cabin, I fell asleep. And for the first time in decades, I did not dream about that I was being murdered or slaughtered or tortured. Instead, I dreamt that I was sort of levitating and that I was doing some yogic postures that I had never done before. And I was, the, the feeling was also that I was levitating, that I was light, I was, you know, happy. And then that the same morning, I have an email in my inbox and that's a friend that has mailed me and said, okay, so Liz, here's yoga for uh, yoga for sleeping disorders. So maybe you can join. So I click on the link and I join for like basic 10 week course in, because I've been doing yoga before, right? I've been doing this for 28 years, but this was a whole new kind of yoga. So I went for this 10 week course and then the teacher at the course, he says to me, okay, so I have one more spot for the yoga teacher training, the yoga therapist training. Do you want it? And at the same time, you know, I don't have any money. I don't have a job because obviously I'm too sick to go to, to work. So, um, and I had my two small kids uh, to think for, but I say yes, because he says to me, if it's meant to be, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna take care of itself. It's meant to be. So just by clicking on this link that I had for my friend, it turns out that I, enter a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist teacher training and I get the exact the the same amount that this therapy training costs I get it back from my job that I had as a preschool teacher here in, in Stockholm because they had like sort of an insurance that I didn't even know that I was entitled to so the exact same amount of money I got so that meant uh, you know, like I was supported and guided to do that. And so during this teacher training and therapist training, we went inwards to answer your question and, and not to suppress anything anymore, but just to let it come to surface and to feel its origin. If, if I've suppressed a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of fear, that's the essence that I have to face. I can't face it by being all, you know, making positive affirmations or being shady about it so i really need to face it in the origin sense that it's been stored do you know what i mean i think so yeah yes and so just to wrap up this uh, also that that's in the end of this uh, teacher training 
I think it was four semesters or something like that. So it was like for two years. There comes a woman who has another kind of yoga that is very more subtle, very more feminine. And she has yoga for depressed people. And so she has, she's a guest teacher at, at the teacher training where I'm at. And when I connect to that, it's like coming home. I feel like, oh my gosh, I really need to do this for me. Not to add just another education, not because this is also what I've been doing previously, you know, to be the good girl, to have many educations, to be, you know, always good, whatever I do. So I've become very good also in healing myself. But so she says, okay, so I have a teacher training starting in, this was in December, and the teacher training is starting in January, and I have one spot left. And I was like, oh my God. And so I call my parents and I say that I really, I really need to go this weekend to see if this is for me. And they are like, oh, how long are you going to do this for? And doesn't, isn't it enough now? Or, you know, you have two kids to tend to and. And I'm like, yeah, but I really need to go. So I go this weekend and I sign up for the teacher training with her. And it turns out that, that I get back the same amount that this teacher training costs from my, that I've been paying tax the whole time that I was being sick and suicidal. I've been paying tax in my own company as my own business. So I get back <laughs> from my taxes. And so I go here and it's for another two years. And during this time, I find myself to heal on even you know, deeper and deeper levels to, to turn every stone and to, to really be authentic to myself and to you know to move through it all because I've tried obviously I try to to do bypass I try to distract myself I tried so many things but the only thing that I had to do was to move through it and from from here I've developed my own yoga for empaths for highly sensitive people and uh, with everything that I've learned in my own journey, in my own quest for myself and to retrieve back to my soul to be aligned to who I am. So all modalities that I've done, I've poured into what I'm doing now when I guide people who suffers from stress or depression. Mm. Well, thank you for that story. Um, I just, I don't quite have the words for it, but thank you for that. And something that i'm interested in is you mentioned this yoga specifically for depression because we've all seen and most people have you know tr practice some yoga poses we all know what that looks like so what's the difference between that and the specificity of, of doing that for depression so um, when i was here i mean this is the year of 2008 it was when i was really that was my worst year. So it's, it's like 13 years ago. And at the time, you know, when I, when I got depressed on the market at the time, there was only yoga that were very much in the masculine energy, in the young energy. It was like power yoga, ashtanga yoga, hatha yoga. 
And in the Ashtanga yoga that I come from, which is very masculine and very linear, sort of you do this and then you do that and then you do that, sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. And the things that I do are more in the feminine essence, like very intuitive. Where, what, what do the people that are here, what do they need? More instead of this is the yoga posture that we need to do in a special series. And, and even the yoga that I did to become a yoga therapist, it was also in the masculine energy. It was like, in this position, you sit for three to five minutes. In this position, you sit. So they were all ready-made classes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, and, and uh, then, you know, yin yoga wasn't there at the time. And even yin yoga, that is in the feminine essence, yin and yang, it's still too heavy for people with a lot of pain in body, mind, or spirit, because you are lying in a position for three to five minutes. And even though that it feels good at the time, it can sort of push your limits and you can have backlashes afterwards if you have a lot of pain or traumas in body, mind, or spirit. And also the energy of yin yoga is very cold. The yoga that I provide and the holistic approach that I provide is in the feminine essence very subtle but with a warm sort of energy and so the the difference is that I I don't I just don't do do it the way it should be like in a series or in a um, in a certain way that you should sit here for three minutes or five minutes so I do it you know, depending on the individual or the collective, the group that I'm having, what do they need? What do I sort of, what is the information that I get from this group? And then I, then we do it. And we also have a lot of time because in our Western societies today, uh, we are so much in our uh, sympathetic nervous system, meaning that we are always on the move. We are always, you know, moving forward. We are always being effective, productive. Our mind is made to solve problems. So we're always moving either, you know, mentally or to next project, to next, you know, activity. But the, this means that we are always holding sort of a, a level of stress within us, right? And so we need to move into the parasympathetic nervous system, the, the system that makes us relaxed, makes us more present, makes us more, you know, like, like we can grow and evolve uh, from, from this subtle space, you know, like a seed that you plant into the ground. So what we do in, in the yoga classes that I teach or in my whatever I do, if I do like a soul realignment reading, we also do a lot of breathing practices because a lot of conscious breathing brings you down into the parasympathetic nervous system and if you see the yoga that has been out in the market they just say take long deep breaths well that's fine but if I don't even know how to breathe properly how can I know if I'm breathing long deep breaths and how it's supposed to feel right Mm. so we have a lot of time in just lying and sitting and breathing properly and the Swedish word for breath is on the tag, and that literally means to connect with the spirit. So, if we are always busy, then we are not so connected to spirit. We're not so connected to our breath. We're not so present, right? 
So we need to be more present with our breaths, with our spirit, with our who we are at the soul level. And uh, yeah, mm. I feel that there's a lot to do in the Western societies with this. You mentioned that if someone has a lot of uh, trauma or a lot of pain and they do yoga, it can have a, a back, backlash kind of effect. What does that look like in, like if someone is, is doing a yoga pose, what does that backlash really look like? So I can just take myself as an example, because at the time I was very much involved. Uh, I was teacher training in, uh, in Ashtanga yoga. So I've done those training trainings before what I've mentioned to you. So I was a teacher in Ashtanga yoga and power yoga and Hatha yoga. And that energy for me uh, was sort of maintaining and upholding the, the fire, the young energy. And it was uh, also a way for me to control my eating disorders because I knew that now I'm doing, you know, a lot of Ashtanga yoga and I have this heavy fire breathing and I'm burning calories. So it was like, it kept me stuck in this illusion of doing that I need to do to perform or I need to be the good girl. I need to be on the move. I need to be in control. And I had too much fire, too much of that energy. And that, you know, led me. So I was even more frustrated. I was even more depleted. I was, because eventually you can even hear it by the name. I, I, suffered from a burned out you know I had too much fire <laughs> and the fire had depleted my inner fire my inner higher demands my expectations on myself had burned me out yeah I, I never thought of burnout that way as that, uh, that is literally in the word it is and so because yoga is I don't even know how old, but very, very, very old goes back a long time. And what is your uh, philosophy on adapting or shifting that ancient practice for what we do today? Do you, is your practice about changing it or is it selecting specific pieces that um, suit the current needs more? What does that look like for me yoga is not postures for me yoga is my lifestyle and for me the yogic lifestyle is you know going back to its origin and also the name of your pod i love you the name of your pod hugo and we need to to because we are living in in ways that are not sustainable our Western societies, we, we have these lifestyles that are not sustainable. We have like two houses, three cars, we renovate the kitchen every third year. We fill ourselves with toxics uh, from everything that we think, everything that we put into our bodies. And this is also very much in the sort of energies of the immature, the unconscious masculine right the ascending flow we want to to be ascended we want to be enlightened we want to move upwards in our careers we want to move forward 
So this is always, and life always is moving us. You know, life is, is movement, is constant movement and changes. But that means that we as human beings, like children of Gaia, children of the earth, we also need to adapt to, to, to Gaia. Because we, in our lifestyles, we have distanced ourselves from Gaia, from Mother Earth. We are abusing her in our lifestyles, the way we live. We are, you know, cutting down her forests. We are polluting her rivers, the oceans. We are polluting ourselves. So it starts with each and one of us that are polluting ourselves with the way we live today. So it's all about going back to the wise roots. It's all about going back to who we are. And I'm not saying that we're going to go back to live in cave, you know, in caves or like that. But we need to work with the feminine energy, the descending energy, and to reconnect to, to Gaia, to follow her natural cycles, to follow and to live in harmony with the rest of her children, you know, animals, and to treat. Because... And everything that we see is also a reflection, right? How we treat Earth is also how we treat ourselves, like how I treat myself and how I treat others. So we need to come back to the wisdom that we all possess and not give back the power that some doctor or, you know, a pharmaceutical company out there knows better for me. And so it's about going back and to trust our inner knowingness and our inner wisdom. But we can't do that because we are so polluted from everything that we think, from the stress that we live and that we endure, being, as I said, in the sympathetic nervous system all the time, right? Moving in the, we, we have a term here in Sweden, uh, the wheel of just running around sort of like like a hamster or like a squirrel running around in the wheel yeah we, we are living in the matrix most of us and we need to take the red pill or was it the blue i don't know but we need it's, to wake it's, up it's the red pill <laughs> yeah it's the red pill yeah we need to take the red pill and to see through all the illusions that we have built up you know, how we are supposed to live, how we are supposed to look like, that I'm only being loved if I'm the good girl or the good boy, and if I'm, you know, productive at my job, whatever. So last year, I just have to, this book came channeled, Holy Fuck in Sacred Water and the Sacred Connections to Everything. So it's cool also, title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. So this also mentions uh, a lot that I'm saying here now that we need to start to reconnect the ascending flow with the descending flow because they meet in the heart. The heart is the center of the chakra system. So we need to clear ourselves, to purify ourselves from our thoughts that we've been programmed with for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, thousands maybe. And also to, to clear out our pollution that we are carrying within ourselves, within ourselves. Mm. So, um, and I, I truly, I mean, this is my inner knowingness that this is the time that we are in. It is the opportunity for us to move into higher consciousness, to wake up. And the high consciousness, I'm not talking about the ascending flow of the, just being in the masculine essence. 
we need to combine the conscious masculine and the conscious masculine i'm talking about unconscious and unconscious masculine and unconscious and conscious feminine so just to give you an example of the unconscious energies so a couple of examples of the unconscious examples of feminine unconscious energy right that could be uh, manipulation so when we see manipulation in ourselves or in the outer realms that is a form of energy from from the feminine immature or unconscious essence right and we see this everywhere and another essence of the feminine immature or unconscious essence is the uh, please you know see me love me acknowledge me uh, tell me you love me tell me i'm good enough uh, you know so and we uphold this also in the way we live like many women they put toxics in their body they put silicones in the breasts and stuff in their lips just to to be attractive or to have higher self-esteem but this is actually damaging their soul who they are at the soul level because then they are striving for the happiness out there you know and we need to feel the inner emptiness the inner holes that we are feeling that we are trying to fill with outer stuff we need to feel it with ourselves and then to have the unconscious masculine uh, greed is a very good example of the unconscious masculine i want more more money my precious whatever <laughs> and also this very unconscious penetrative move you know like even the jab is a symbol for the unconscious immature masculine if you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah. yeah and so these energies each and one of us are upholding within ourselves or, or the unconscious masculine could also be this strive to always strive for something better you know bigger car bigger house and and we in the western societies we uphold these energies in the way we live so that means that we need to move inwards to face and to transform whatever that there is that needs to be changed and transform all these programs that we have been given from society, from ourselves, from our cultures, from the way we live. And to raise consciousness, to move up to a higher vibration, a higher frequency, a higher consciousness, which is the mature feminine. And the mature feminine is love, love and compassion for yourself and for others. Because if I have love and compassion for myself, and if I'm truly connected to Gaia and to myself, to my body, then I am not able to hurt other people's bodies or to hurt the body of Gaia, right? Yeah. So that's the sort of the essence, the, the compassion and the, the love, the unconditional love, the feminine. And it resides, of course, in the heart, but also elsewhere in the body. And the mature, the conscious masculine, it is the clarity the inner knowingness to cut through all the bullshit, to cut through all the bullshit that I have been telling myself or, or to cut through all the bullshit that is being presented to me. 
So we need both of these energies. We need, because if I only have love, and but there is no direction, there is no movement in my love, or there is, I'm sitting here under my tree, and, and I don't do anything with my love. I just feel, fill myself with love. I just feel myself with love, love and compassion. And that is good because then of course I vibrate that frequency like, like a radio transmitter out. But I also need you know, to cut through my own bullshit. I need to cut through other people's bullshit. So I need the both of the masculine and the feminine and they connect in the heart. So that's why it's so important to move with a descending flow, to bring back, to draw back the energy from our headspace, from overthinking, from dwelling, from overanalyzing, for being too logical, to bring it back into our bodies and into our hearts. And in doing that, because you, you mentioned some things were deep breathing and really breathing properly. Are there other practices that are describable in terms of bringing that energy down and having both those energies meet in the heart? And if that's too complicated to explain, because I know like trying to explain a yoga pose might be a bit hard, but just wondering if there's anything of that nature. So it's also more than just the breathing. The breath is, is one tool, but you always have to do your own shadow work right? You yeah. have to do your own shadow work. And it starts with me. I can't sit here on this podcast telling that we are going to change the world if everybody does their own shadow work. So it starts with me. I need to do my shadow work. I need to look at all my wounds, all my traumas that reside deep in my unconscious mind, because we know that we are governed. We are ruled by our unconscious our subconscious mind which is 95 percent of our programs and these programs are so deep so we don't even know that they're programs right yeah so we have five we have access to five percent of consciousness but the more of my wounds the more of my traumas the more of my shadows that i dare to move inwards because obviously i cannot transform my shadows out here you know if i buy another a bigger car or if i if i take this pill or if i do that out here in the outer realms it's more difficult to change the inner realms obviously they're all like just merely a reflection of each other but when i do my inner work and i go in and i you know heal my inner child i heal the wounds the traumas the stress that I've laid upon myself, that other people have laid upon me. And also as a yogi, I believe that energy never dies. Energy is just, you know, transforming into one shape or form, one or the other. So that means that some part of me never dies, like my soul. The soul that I see it is the connection to source, to existence, to God, to universe, whatever you like to call it. So that means that this energy, the, the essence of who I am never dies. It just, you know, evolves and evolves through different lifetimes. And we are, we are souls having human experiences. That's why we, we want to come down here on earth to be in these bodies because we want to experience these kinds of, ex, you know, experience like a good heartfelt talk. We want to 
have a nice cup of tea, we want to read a good book, we want to see the beauty in nature as free spirits. So that's why we want to reincarnate into physical bodies or the illusion of physical bodies, because actually we don't even exist. We're just, <laughs> we are just energy. <laughs> Existential crisis right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we are, as I'm saying, in the midst of human evolution. This is what is going on. This is what is playing out. So we face all these sort of different consciousness, different energies and different vibrations of the consciousness that is passing through us. So the only way out is to go in. Does it make sense? It makes sense. And I just want to see if we can get any more um, clarity or um, examples of you know, when you say going in, looking at your shadow, healing your wounds, healing your, uh, your inner child, you, at the beginning you spoke about part of that is placing your consciousness on that and feeling that. Are there other processes or tools or methods um, you use or are aware of for taking that concept of looking inwards and making that a practical thing? Well, I'm sure there might be uh, things that I'm not aware of, but I'm all the disciplines that are holistic, holistic disciplines. So, you know, just by going to the gym, sort of, it doesn't take away my past experience of being in some sort of trauma. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm out running, that is very good, but it doesn't take away past experience of like rapes or previous lifetimes or programs that I have. So it has to be a holistic discipline, working mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, sexually, you know, all these sorts of layers. Uh, so yoga is one, like Tai Chi could be another, but I think that my own like personal experience and when I work with people is also that we always need to turn the attention from out there inwards to see what what's in here you know what's because we are all like treasures sort of we have gems and we have also cat gold but what happens if I take you know something and polish it and just observe it because it's with our consciousness as human beings it, it's with our consciousness when i am putting my intention and attention to something inside of me it is like i'm putting a torch right so i'm illuminating my inner darkness with a torch and where there's light you know if you if 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 you are in a pitch black room and you turn out, you turn on a torch. What's going to happen? So, the darkness will cease to be for a moment. In that, in yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we need to transform our inner darkness, our inner shadows, our inner unconsciousness, consciously into light. And that's also what Nelson Mandela says. It's not the darkness that scares us it is the light 
because if this is true we just we're just playing with this from a yogic perspective if this is true that everything from this lifetime is stored within you and it's stored within your body your body represents the unconscious subconscious mind so everything is stored within your body in your cells which we are writing about in this holy fuck and and if we have lived previously in other shapes and forms all these memories resides within us both good and both bad like we all have been perpetrators in previous lifetimes. We have been soldiers, but we have all also been victims, right? Mm. So these energies are within us. But if you trace the energy all the way back to source, and if we are from source, then we also have, like source, infinite possibilities then we are the same essence as the creator so somewhere within us we have the creator essence but if i am too polluted with my thoughts with my actions with how i live with what i do with what how i think everything is so polluted so i'm not even aware of it how can I be in connection with source or with the divine essence in me if it's sort of hidden beneath layers of layers of shit? Yeah, I, I never heard someone talk about that, um, tracing that line, or at least not that visual you just gave. I've never had that picture in my head before. Are there other um, yoga philosophies or beliefs or, or principles that underlie a lot of, you know, what we see everyone doing those yoga poses. Um, are, are there things beneath that that might not be as readily known to most people? Yes, there are. There are uh, sacred yoga scripts that are, some say that they go back all the way 14,000 years back. So there are scriptures talking about um, the soul, the, the essence of the divine, and also, you know, the perception of matter, like our physical bodies are considered to be matters. Our physical bodies are like 3D, three-dimensional, whilst the soul is from 5D, fifth dimension, and, you know, to 10 and above. And in these sacred scriptures, uh, and also, you know, people, indigenous people around the world, you know, the origin tribes, they have known, like the Maya, for instance, the Maya calendar said that the year 2012, that was the time where we were going to die. Well, we didn't die, right? But that was the time where it started our egos to die, our egos, our egos that is just about to survive. Our egos has nothing to do about thriving or evolving. Our egos are designed to keep us safe. Our egos are designed to keep us safe and to survive through history, through evolution. So 2012 was, according to Maya calendar, the beginning of the fall of our ego. And with the ego comes greed, manipulation, all these things 
aspects that we've been talking about. And they say in the yogic scriptures and the indigenous people that this was going to happen. You know, they could predict that this, this evolution in human consciousness was going to happen. They just didn't know how, you know, in what shape or form. So I, just by being a yogi and taking part of these scripts, I've known about that this is going to happen. I just didn't know in what, you know, shape or form it will play out. And here we are. Yeah, one hell of a place to be in time right now. Yeah, and also, like, we as souls, we have chosen to come down into this time. I mean, we have lived many, many lifetimes, and each and every lifetime has prepared us for this lifetime. So you and I, Hugo, we have, our souls have, you know, sort of make contract with itself that we want to be here at this time to help the human evolution because we all have our gifts and abilities which we need to dig out from all these illusions that we have had or this unconsciousness that we have all had right so yes people have known about it and have written about it uh, for thousands of years and we are originally at a higher frequency. Our souls are at a higher frequency, a higher vibrations, a higher consciousness than our bodies. So somewhere along, you know, the human timeline, some people started to do and to act unconsciously out of greed, out of, you know, wanting more or wanting power. And eventually, so many people did sort of bad deeds so they took us down into a lower frequency which we are now trying to rise from so we are not you know going it can never be go back to normal because normal never existed <laughs> we are going back into the higher frequency the higher consciousness the divinity that we are as souls into the new earth And are there other um, philosophies or principles in the yogic tradition that you can think of? Well, um, so there's this chakra, uh, chakra psychology and yeah. philosophy. And uh, for me also, I, I'm a physiotherapist. So I come also from the Western you know, point of view on how to treat body, mind and soul. And many, many hundreds of years ago, uh, there was a divide. There was actually a conscious choice of divide to divide the body and to divide the soul. So sort of science at the time, they were responsible for the body and church at the time was responsible for the soul. So this divide, this division through history and through human evolution has caused us even, you know, to be more programmed into unconscious programs and that body and mind are separated, which of course they're not. And so I'm thinking about my own sort of wake up call, which was very much a spiritual wake up call, but it happened through my body. Mm. So it was not just like a mental spirituality, it was an embodied 
wake-up call. And this, you know, the life that we are in, in now enforces us to have this embodied awakening. And in what you were saying about uh, from a soul level that we chose to be here, what would you say to someone, and you know, you've been there yourself, who is feeling really depressed and who is feeling suicidal and thinking, I, this is too hard. I don't want to live anymore. I don't like this world. You know, I mean, what's happening at the moment is the amount of suicides has just, you know, gone through the roof. Um, yeah, what would you say to someone in that position? Congratulations. <laughs> I would say <laughs> it's your wake up call and uh, it might not look so nice and comfortable while you're in it, but it's for your evolution and you got this. You, on, you only get what you can handle. And that is the good thing because each and one of us are, you know, can handle things differently. So if I'm only prepared for a little thing, then it comes in small doses. But for me, it was like this volcano eruption. And uh, so it's, it's not going to look the same for each and one of us. And also, I want to say the word depression, like depressed, being depressed. If you pronounce it a bit differently, it's a deep breast, right? It's a deep breast for body, mind, and soul. So it's like you are the seed that have been planted so you can grow into something new. But there's no quick fixes or no shortcuts. You have to do the job because happiness is always an inside job. An evolution is always an inside job in the individual. And then these frequencies that I'm transmitting is also affecting the collective. I just want to pick up on or kind of have a bit of a, um, a friendly challenge on something that you said about how that we're all given um, something that we can handle. Um, so then from that point of view, would you then say that uh, to commit suicide is a legitimate option in the sense that if someone is at the point where they can't take it anymore, that that might be their path? And I would just kind of... Um, frame this in the sense that I see so often that the conversation around suicide is all focused on prevention and it doesn't take death as an option and I think that in the west we seem to fear death and do everything to delay death to the last possible moment if even if it means you know taking so many drugs and surgeries and all that just to live an extra few weeks um, any thoughts on that Yes, and I just want to also answer that, yes, we are afraid of dying and afraid of death. And that's also an illusion. That's just merely an illusion. And that causes people to be so scared. They're so scared of death. So they're afraid of, of living, right? So that's also the polarity. Some people that are afraid of dying are also afraid to live life as, as it falls, right? Mm. So to answer your question, I see it as it can be, uh, because our soul, that is the divine spark that we have, like, it's not that we have a soul, we are the soul. We are the soul 
but with a temple to protect it with the, this physical body so we can enjoy this ride that is called life, right? And some of us uh, have, I mean, all of us have made our own choices before we choose to come down here. Like, oh, I want to I wanna be born in, in Sweden because they say that the light is supposed to come from the north. So yes, I'm, I'm going to be born in Sweden and I'm going to be born with the parents that challenge me to grow uh, and so that I can face whatever I need to face and transform so my soul, soul can evolve. And as you know, as I've been there and I've been depressed and I know what it's like. And if you're there, it might seem like it's the only way out. And there might be, and there might not be. So, um, I, I really feel that if you really, really, you know, listen to your soul before you do anything, really listen, really listen, who am I, you know, why am I here in the first place? Because these feelings are also a gift. I know it's hard to believe, but it's also a gift. From chaos comes order, you know, from chaos comes the divinity. So we need to move through the dark night of the soul. I shouldn't say need, you know, I'm thinking in Swedish and then I translate it into English because then again, it can become an obligation. We have the choice. We are souls with a free will. Right? What I can say that I do know that some of the people like big healers at this time know, okay, I can do more good. Interesting how my throat is reacting now. I can do more good from the other side. Like I've done all that I can here, here in this reincarnation, in this body. I can do more. I can support more from the other side, right? Mm. But for me, I can just speak about me in here now. For me, that was not the case. So I'm here. I know that I know that universe that soul that spirit that uh, existence that guide god showed me it wasn't my time to go because i had so much more to give and to offer here at this side of of life and death mm -hmm. so i don't know if that was an answer but but it's not i mean if it's pitch black it's good because then you have the opportunity to really grow then you are like the seed that has been planted. But if you're there, uh, you know, reach out to people that have been there and do the soul searching and see what's in for you, right? And, and I'm not talking about right or wrong because the soul truly knows. But if I'm so much programmed and polluted that I'm not aligned with my soul, which which I was, I was not aligned with who I was. So I, need, I needed to do, but it's like a garden. If the garden is full of weed and I want to plant new seeds, what do I need to do? I need to take up the weeds first with its roots, right? I need to create a space for these new plants to be sown. Yeah. 
does it does it make any sense that that makes sense and, and i think i um i really liked what you said about you know if someone is in that position to really look within and ask who am i um because yeah i, I think so much of what i see is um wherever someone is on the scale of empowerment whether it's um you know suicidal depressed or just feeling like their life doesn't have much direction um the message that is so often espoused is you know talking about it before it's the masculine push the uh the drive to keep moving forward um and i think that sometimes that not only not the right approach, but sometimes can be an illness you know, of kind of just thinking that way. Um, something else I, I wanted to get to is, are there any conversations or things you wish someone had told you about depression or suicide mm -hmm. that like conversations that might not be taking place or things that people aren't saying that you think really should be said around these topics? Yes, for sure. I mean, we live in societies and as I said, I'm a Swede, so you're not supposed to be too happy, too sad, too angry, too horny, too whatever. You're just, you know, to be very like this yeah. level, conform. Um, so I, I was very much, I mean, it is always an inside journey, right? I mean, nobody else can transform your inner wounds or shadows, but you can have people who aid you and, you know, people who hold your hand or, and people who have walked the path before you. So, but, but I can't cry your sorrow, for instance. Um, but, but there are help and, and guides to get. And I've, so I've always, in my own journey, I've had uh, teachers, I've had healers, I've had somebody to hold on, you know, in their hands. But regarding as my family, I felt that I've always been so lonely and so all by myself because they didn't understand. So what I have wanted to know was somebody just telling me that it's going to be okay. It is, you know, you are here now and it's hard. I see you. I see your struggle. I see your pain. And you're doing fine. And also some acknowledgement that because also when I felt like that, and that is so typical when you feel depressed or burned out, that is also ignites a lot of shame and guilt. Oh, I'm so weak. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sick now. I'm like a parasite on society. And then I'm, so there's so many also emotions that are entangled in this whole mess, which also makes it more that you're carrying not only your own shame and guilt, but the guilt of society that you're a burden and, or the feeling, the illusion that you're a burden. And just, you know, the acknowledgement that you're not, that this is your personal personal evolution this is your wake-up call this is your god this is the gift from your soul this is the gift from god from from existence from existence from universe you can see it as your evolution or you can see it as your 
defeat. So again, we have, we are souls with a free will. I was just going to say, I find it very interesting that the, you said like, if someone could have just said, I see you. It's interesting yeah. that that's what we need other people to see in us. And that's what we need to look in ourselves to look at our own wounds. Um, exactly. Same thing from different perspectives. Exactly. And, and just also that, um, that actually it's a normal reaction. If I am disaligned to my soul and my soul has you know tried to communicate with me because obviously for me this didn't happen overnight it was not something that i woke up to just finding myself that i'm depressed and suicidal this happened through decades like in linear time through decades so i had all the warnings i had a lot of communication from my soul i had a lot of you know opportunities to choose differently but I didn't because I was so programmed. I was so programmed in my limited beliefs in how I should look, be, act, do, whatever. So all these communications, all these information, I just ignored. Mm. And so then the soul needed my soul. I'm just talking about my soul. I'm not talking about your soul here. So you're, you have your free choice to see how you want to see it. But my soul needed because I'm very stubborn and I am very persistent and I have a lot of fire and a lot of passion. So my soul needed to take me all the way through the rock bottom, not just halfway through, because then I, I was there for many years, you know, getting by, surviving, but I needed to hit rock bottom for this creation of this new space. I needed to hit rock bottom so I could transform it and thinking, my God, either I'm gonna continue to live as I do and then I'm gonna be dead, you know, just I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, that's a fact. <laughs> or <laughs> I can choose something else. Yeah. And for me at the time, it felt like, life chose me like something bigger than myself it was my soul i know it but at the time i didn't know that i was a soul <laughs> that i had a soul that i was a soul so i i didn't know it at the time i thought life chose me but i knew it was my soul it made me so sorry for the expression but so fucking uncomfortable so i needed to evolve i needed to grow because i was so disaligned with who i was and now I do soul readings, karma clearings, so realignments, so to align your body with who you are at soul level. And when I did my own soul reading and karma clearing, it was like, wow, now I know because the essence of my soul, where I'm from uh, at its origin, uh, like I'm here to inspire and to aid both myself and also others. So I'm all, only working with what I need you know myself so uh, then it made so much sense like wow my soul needed to take me to rock bottom so i can transform it and to be aligned with who i am at the soul level that, that brings me to something which i find really interesting which is that it almost seems like the that 
middle bit where you're not doing great, but you're not at rock bottom is almost the real suffering. Because when you get to hit rock bottom, that seems to be where people tend to have a kind of awakening or a kind of turnaround. And sometimes that's the point where they say, okay, I'm out. But there seems to be a greater shift that happens when you take it all the way, um, whether you take it all the way consciously or you, you, know, you feel like forced into a corner by Godzilla or something. Um, is that something you see too or do you have a different take on that? No, that's what I see as well. And the more the darkness you can harness and transform, the more access you have to your inner light. And if you're here, as you say, if you're here in the middle or halfway through, like life is good enough, you know, it's good enough. I settle with this. I settle with this constant struggle. I settle with this constant pain. I settle. So I, I'm not fully alive, but I'm not dead. Because again, that's what we said. Most people fear death so much. They're so afraid of death. So they don't even dare to live fully. They go around. I mean, I'm, I was like this. Go around being worried all the time. Worried for this, for that. For things that I made up. For things that were illusions. For things. And, and then, I, you, know, you know, just another day in Matrix. Struggling maintaining status quo <laughs> so yeah and there's nothing wrong with it i'm not saying there's nothing wrong i don't use the term of right and wrong if that is good for you and that's what where you are right now that's fine but remember that you have a free will you have the free will to maintain it or you have the free will to change it Um, so we'll get to how people can contact you in a moment, but do you have any final thoughts, um, any last pieces of uh, wisdom or knowledge um, just before we finish up today? Yes, thank you. And I also want to say, so I've said it many times during this talk, but we are in the midst of this global awakening and it can be ugly and it needs to be ugly. Every shadow, every trauma, every program needs to be seen needs to come up into the lights we need to see the shadows or it's good if we see the shadows because then we have the opportunity to transform them and to do differently so if you feel that you are overwhelmed if you feel that this is too much if you feel the heaviness of all of this that we are in the midst of right now just be also aware of that it's not just you who you're feeling, you're also feeling the collective. And maybe that, you know, can ease you somewhat that not all that you feel is your own. It's the consciousness and the shadow of the collective that we are moving through. We need to move through it so we can transform it. And it will all be good in the end. And if it's not the end, then if it's not good, then it's not the end. Wonderful. Um, if so, I'll put um, the links and info on how people can contact you, all that in the description. Um, but if you want to let anyone know the kinds of services you do or um, a particular area that you might want to point them to, um, 
feel free to let people know now. Thank you. So I really, I really want to recommend this book, Holy Fuck and Sacred Water, The Sacred Connections to Everything. And uh, it's, it's on Amazon. And this book is actually written to aid us through these times. So it's a channeled and divine book with uh, reactivations to your inner uh, codes. And then I also do like uh, yogic consultations privately with you. If you come to me with sleeping disorders or migraine or even cancer, whatever. So then I find out, you know, how you live and, and what you need. Uh, so it's tailor-made for you what's, what you need to do so you can move yourself from where you are into something else. And then I also do these soul realignments uh to 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 clear your karma from previous lifetimes previous choices previous traumas so that you can be aligned with who you are at the soul level so that's what i also do and intuitive intuitive guidance in the akashic records so both of these karma clearings and the intuitive guidance from akashic records is in the akashic record that is like the google of your soul that's a great way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh, finding out about your story and your perspectives and um, the things you've learned. So thank you for that. And thank you, Hugo, for reaching out and for this wonderful talk that I've truly felt the energy all the way from Australia here to Sweden, that you have a beautiful energy and your mission here with this podcast and what you do is beautiful and also thank you for listening because if you it's if it's only like one word or one sentence that i've said that resonate with you then then i've paid back some of my karma and the circle is closing so thank you for listening well thank you You've been listening to the Wise Roots podcast. If you want to find out more about this work or contact me, you can find the info in the description of this podcast. If you like this, please share it around. Thank you for listening. Over and out.